the biggest sports stories of the week. Right? He's not going to yeah. leave Jordan Love, the covered bear for Jordan Love. We know that. He's, he's going to look out for his guy. So, uh, I, Kyle, Kyle liked that. Kyle, Kyle. That was funny. That was funny. What? I'm serious. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. What would happen if Brian Gutekunst sat up at a press conference and said, I made a mistake. Plus some fun with pop culture. So you'd never needed to stop for dinner at Magic City like Lou Williams did? I mean, does anybody actually believe he just he chose that just for dinner? Like, does he think that's working? This is Sunday Karma. The, the yeah. unibrow, like, because I'm kind of like Bert. <laughs> like when, like, if I don't get the, the eyebrows done, I just have one eyebrow pretty much. <laughs> But since COVID, I haven't had any of that. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City, alongside his precocious daughter, Harper, here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. Oh, the Father's Day gift of Harper not showing up. How about that? Uh, yeah, I thought she was going to come. She had thought about it, but I think the game Ooh. took too much out of everyone last night. No, I think that's that uh, pre Preteen, she's a tween now. Exactly, it's exactly. coming out. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and wow. So where were you watching last night? At home with just my brother. Yeah, you and your brother. That's how just, just hanging out, watching the game, stressed out. It was. Uh, I feel you, Harper. I feel you. What? So I'm, I'm exhausted. What, what was it like? Like were there were there times where it was over? Or were you, you know, because you're a pretty optimistic dude. Like when when Durant dunks and Connaughton fouls him, when Harden banks in the three, was there a moment? Or when Durant hits the three, was there a moment? And by the way, jump in on the conversation with us. We got, we, we got nothing. We're not throwing out topics. We're not doing anything right now. We're just talking about the game last night. Uh, so jump in. 800-990-ESPN. Talking about the game. Talking about this team. Talking about this coach. Talking about these players. Talking about this uh, deer district. Talking about well, anything going on with the Bucks. Jump in. 800-990-ESPN. It's our talk and text line. So you could also text to 800-990-3776. We're going to have Eric name our Bucks guy from The Athletic at 10.30 instead of Jason Wildey with everything going on Bucks-wise. And then we'll have Jason uh, jump in at 11.30 today. So Eric Name, 10.30, uh, talking Bucks. Uh, Jason Wildey, 11.30. You now at 800-990-ESPN, 800-990-3776. So any of those moments, do you think it was over? I didn't think it was over, only because I was like, "Okay, we got to come make a play at this point." Wait, wait, point. wait. So, see, I, 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 I'm the most optimistic person in America, but when Durant turned, I thought maybe it was a two, but I was very worried it was over and it was going to be a three. Oh, you talking about when his toes on the line? Yeah, oh, I thought it was a three. Yeah, so then I you thought, thought it was a three. It, but did, so then, did you think it was over, or uh, you thought, oh, we got a second? Like, we have a second left. But, it, in but my how mind. poorly we had executed on you know when we had two seconds left. I and you know I was not thinking at that point. Oh well, we have a second left. That was the that was the moment of absolute fear. And freaking out for me when Durant had hit that shot and we hadn't yet seen the replay. Because to me at that point, now now by the way, I was not 
and and you could ask the people who were there. Ben Brust was there um, when Game Two ended. Were you? Did you think it was over at that point? Oh, it was over at that point. But what changed was See, Kyrie I, Irving got hurt. I knew that. Listen, if Kyrie Irving does not twist his ankle, the Bucks do not win this series. I, I have, I have, I have no qualms or reservations about that. That's the way I felt. I just they had too much. Kyrie was healthy. Durant was healthy. They were playing too well. Yeah, that's what changed when Kyrie got hurt. To me, that was what gave us that opening, and we capitalized. Yeah, what a series it ends up being and uh want to jump in want to hear your thoughts just anything you got right now there was so much to unpack and we'll go through it all uh you know over the next two hours 800-990 ESPN 800-990-3776 let's start out with Clinton uh you're on Sunday Karma morning Clinton good morning guys uh you know I number one I was watching it from a bar out town in Milwaukee uh being that I am from Milwaukee I really enjoyed the game. I thought it went the way that it should into overtime. If there was never going to be a nail-biter moment. All right, thanks for the call. Uh, I thought that was a good point. Poor poor guy. He was about to get emotional. He's about to go into it, you know, nail-biter this and that. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Loves um, his bucks. He's not his cell carrier. Um, don't love his cell carrier as much as he loves the bucks. Um, so, Drew Holiday. My gosh. I've been trying to tell people, Craig, throughout the playoffs, Eric Bledsoe would never. Those first-round picks were worthless. They were worthless. Who cares? Who cares? The guy was, what, two for 17, and then all of a sudden he hits right. big shots he, late? He hit big shots late. But, okay, so I was wondering where you'd be on Drew Holiday today because not only did he hit, you know, what I think was, and, and obviously Giannis's. Giannis's jump hook in the lane in overtime was just absolutely massive. You know, you know, after no buckets for almost four minutes, Chris's game winner was huge. Chris's three, which I was worried was a two when we were down five after the Harden Bank three. I thought that, I mean, that was a massive shot where he got an open look uh, kind of baseline extended. I mean, those were all huge, but I think the shot of the game for the Bucks is that Drew Holiday three, that step back three, tie game after Holiday had been that bad. So so you you come in today feeling uh feeling Drew. I I, I didn't know if you'd be because uh, I feel like Drew's been your guy, but two of seventeen was a rough start. I said he there was a point in the fourth quarter where Drew shot the ball and he missed. I said, Stop shooting. It might have been a floater in the lane. He missed a yeah. he missed a a, cl- a closer shot. I think he front rimmed it. I said, Stop yeah. shooting. Just stop it. You're off today. Just do everything else. But he stepped up, and this is exactly why you you don't care about those first round draft picks because the Bucks don't have a good history of first round picks, anyways. Like we could say, Dante is a well, decent player. He's but, not. A and great remember player. how good this team is, so your first round picks aren't going to be worth that much anyway. You're right? losing They're what? Be pretty late, right? Was Houston the worst team in the league this year, or the second worst team in the league? What what were they? They were yeah. bottom bottom three team yeah. in the league. So you're swapping literally pick number thirty one for pick number twenty seven, twenty eight, six. Whatever the Bucks have this year, because they could swap second and first round picks, correct? Right, right, right. So I was like, uh, and that was for the PJ Tucker trade. But so, right. just in general, just you know, I'm just excited about the fact that Drew Holiday stepped up, made a big play, and that's the exact reason why we gave up, uh, you know, swaps and, yeah. and first round picks. And, and two big plays, right? He hit the three, and then he came back and hit that baseline too uh, on yeah. the next possession, which was massive. Steve, uh, insurance broker, you're on Sunday Karma. Morning, Steve. 
You know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Middleton. Uh, when, when he uh, he stepped between PJ Tucker and the official, that that was a big time leadership move. It it kind of reminded me of Bart Starr, where when everybody else is losing their minds, he's the calm one. And it, Tucker could have gotten suspended uh, the way he was headed on that track, and that was a huge play by Middleton to step in. What a great point. Uh, what a great point. Yeah, so PJ gets that sixth foul for slapping Blake Griffin's hands. First, Kyle, what do you think of that call? Think that was the right call? Like I mean, PJ was. It's a, it's it's a it's a foul, yes, but it's not the time to call it. Yeah, and but that is a great point, Steve. I mean, Chris Middleton always like seems like he's moving at just Chris Middleton's speed, but that composure that is a great point, Steve. I, I love that point. Thanks. Yeah, that, thanks for the call. That is that you know when you think about the biggest things that happened in that game, you could fill out a hundred of them, and Steve just pulled out one that I never would have thought of in a hundred years. You know, PJ Tucker fouls out, is losing his mind, and Chris, Chris just in a Chris way, like I don't know if it's like a dad or whatever. He was just like, because I I don't think most people, I mean, I think. Most people be intimidated by PJ Tucker, right? Especially an angry PJ Tucker. Chris just stepped right in and took control. He I sure like did. That. He he did get in between because I I would hate to think the ref would actually tee somebody up at that moment. You just let him but talk. But he made you, contact you, or did something. That's, that's true. Knows? That's true. But that was a great leadership role. But Chris has he has always been as the caller talked about that silent, quiet leader. He just he's always had that leadership where he doesn't really get loud but he does all the right things well for you. it's interesting it, it wasn't always like the the last few years maybe three years now um Giannis and Chris truly became the leaders of this team like for a while they were so young and like when Delhi was first on the team as crazy as it sounds like Delhi was almost like the leader of this team because he had played in NBA finals he had the experience he was uh, he he was a guy who was friends with the older players the younger players black players white players like everybody he was like a great leader and he, you know I think he and others realized like hey if this team's gonna gonna be something those best players have to become the leaders and over the last few years you know Giannis and Chris have absolutely become that for two guys who don't seem to talk that much and become incredible leaders of a team that is going back to the Eastern Conference Finals feels so different this time, right? Now, last time getting past the Celtics was big because the Celtics had beaten the Bucks in seven. Uh, the Bucks had one of those series where the home team won every game and the Celtics had eliminated them. And this was with Kyrie Irving, the Celtics. But it was a Celtics team that seemingly had never totally gelled you know this this was this felt so different right this felt like beating the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals even though it was the uh the semifinals which was equivalent to where the Bucks had beaten the Celtics two years ago I mean you defeated the best player in basketball who was on his A game coming back from an Achilles injury in his 30s I don't think people recognize the fact that an Achilles injury in your 30s that's that's rough to come back from and KD played every single minute of the last three games and played at an extremely high level and the Bucks were still able to find victory out of this. So leaving this series, I don't think Bucks fans like James Harden at all or like like cuz like his flopping is this Academy is that. Award winning flopping. Yeah. So I, I love James Harden and I I have so much respect for him. So, uh, yeah, the hamstring but come, Craig, you were at game 6. Yes. How can you respect the fact that every time somebody, it, uh, legit, every time he took a three-point shot that game, 
he fell to the ground regardless. Yeah. Touched or not touched. You just you can't respect that. It's just too much. It's like calm down. Basketball isn't about falling every single time and then come looking at the ref as if somebody touched you. But then when you foul somebody, then you look at the ref like, hey, I didn't foul him. Like, stop it, James. You just he's a great player, but you got it. Like, it's too much, and you get mad at the rest for buying into this garbage. Like yeah. yesterday when he hooked Chris Middleton's arm and he went into him. I know. And then he pushes his arm out and extends his arm. Why doesn't he get calls when he extends his arm out like that? Which he constantly does, right? Yeah, like how how as a ref do you not call that? Yeah. Well, I'm saying James you Harden. You can't say anything. I James Harden gutted it out, and you know the way that guy plays, like he's he is a genius. Uh, and but so my point was not because I don't I know people are gonna hate James Harden coming out of that. Yes. But Kevin Durant. Everything he did on the court and everything he said off the court after the game, the respect he paid to the Bucks, the way he was all about winning, didn't care about his his personal accomplishments, any of that. Like, if you can't respect KD coming out of that series, like you know he you know he he did everything the right way, in my opinion. Yeah, he is. He is a spectacular individual. Other than being a, a fake tough guy, because he's not about that. Life, he's not trying to fight anybody. Come on, you oh. think he's trying to act like he's a tough guy? KD has never been in a fight that he's won. Yeah, but you, who's who's he claiming he's fighting? What? Oh, like in uh, I think it was him and PJ and that thing. I mean, I know they're friends, but like I've seen KD get in people's faces. All like, KD, KD not about that life. He's not. He's not. I can t- look at. Listen, I'm not afraid of a right. seven foot dude that skinny. But you can't back. But I'm saying at least he didn't like he didn't back down. No, okay, and he okay. and. Come on, look at his defensive possessions. No. Like, I mean, that that possession where he stopped the drive from Giannis and then tied up Brooke Lopez on the yeah, jump ball, I, then beat Brooke Lopez on the jump ball, except he happened to slap the ball out of bounds, about, yeah. which is that's when Giannis scored, right? I mean, so that, that ends up is being, the next play. That ends up being a huge play that uh, that KD uh, loses that jump ball because he slapped it out, the, out of bounds. No, he's a great player. He's. A, I'm just saying, like, oh, the, the jaw jacking sometimes, acting like you want to fight people, calling people out their names. Like, come on, KD. Like, let's be real. If you didn't have all these plays, like when the PJ thing, he walked away. Again, they weren't going to fight, but KD is not swinging off. Reggie Miller! Was ready to fight, and he actually fought. Like, players used to actually fight. Yeah. KD not about that life. Yeah. But he's like an incredible player. All right, we'll talk more about the Eastern Conference Finals appearance the Milwaukee Bucks will make against either the 76ers or the Hawks. Now, do we have uh, what do we have on today here on ESPN Wisconsin? What kind, of, what kind of games we got going on here today? Because there are two major games, a game seven in the Eastern Conference semifinals, a game one in the Western Conference finals. It is a massive d- day. Oh, come on. I haven't looked at my email since yesterday. All right. I have to look. The schedule got updated yesterday, so I'm, sh- I'm sure, or someday, or Saturday. As games we continue, <laughs> we will tell you what games you can hear on ESPN Wisconsin and more of your thoughts on the Bucks' victory over the Nets and their run through the Eastern Conference. That as we continue. It's Sunday Karma. Happy Father's Day, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. No sleep till!
Monday Karma continuing with you as the Bucks had no sleep till Brooklyn, slept in Brooklyn, got slept on in Brooklyn. I don't know, something. Chris Middleton's fall away gives the Bucks the victory in a crazy overtime. I mean, when they gave up that little layup on the offensive rebound at the start of overtime... Like Bruce Brown, who Bruce Brown didn't even play in game five. And then he played like 50 minutes in in game six. He didn't play. And then he plays like 50 minutes last night. Giannis got fouled on that play. Yes, he did. (sighs) Bruce Brown, by the way, yes, it was seven of nine in 52 minutes of play. How is a guy playing 52 minutes? When, do you realize the game before, the game before, including, remember, it was a blowout. Bruce Brown had played the game before five minutes. He went from five minutes to 52 minutes. And uh, when he made that basket, I was like, God, that first basket in overtime is usually huge. And then the Nets and the Bucks don't score for another three, three minutes plus. I mean, that was just back and forth, back and forth. You know who I think had uh, a few of the biggest shots of that game? Who was that? I'm interested to see if you agree. Pat Connaughton. Oh, Pat hit some big threes. He hit some big threes His throughout threes the game. His threes were like fours or fives. They like, were, right? Some were deep. Like, I mean, he was pulling. I'm not even saying where he was. He was pulling from deep, but like just the impact. I don't know if they were down nine or ten when he hit that one early. His first one... Like, he had shot an air ball, too, right? And then he knocks down a three at in the first half where it was getting scary. And then same thing when they made a little run at the end of the third quarter. He drilled one. So, I mean, Pat's threes were massive. They were, like, down when he hit those. You know, and remember, Pat had played 22 minutes and went 0 for 5 in game six. So... There's a thought, right, at that point, are you even going to, you know, is he even going to get minutes, right? The Nets, we focus so much on, on the Bucks. The Nets bench did not take a shot in Game 7. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. They did not take a shot. Jeff Green, who scored 27 points in Game 5, 27 points. He made seven three-pointers in Game 5, did not take a field goal attempt. In game seven. How does that happen? Right? Guy goes seven for eight from three-point range in game five. Does not take a shot in game seven. He didn't really get consistent playing time. And they took him out late. He was not happy on that last play. Yeah, he uh, To be taken out. I think he pointed I think he pointed to his head saying, you want to put the smart player in yep, or something like that. Exactly. Than the- when, uh, when they... Uh, and it didn't matter. It was the that was when Giannis shot the ball over the backboard. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was uh, yeah. <laughs> with one second left. That was and, terrible. It was an ugly looking shot. And that's and that's exactly what he was telling uh, Nash. I think like leave your smart player in, like you know. And uh, when they put Claxton in to get some more length on that uh, on that last uh, one second inbound, you know, it was a little crazy to me when Brooke Lopez got fouled uh, with point three left. Um, first of all, I don't know how they can actually make that call because either you got fouled before you got the ball 
In which case, it should be one shot and the ball back to the Bucks. And that's what I thought. Or if you got fouled right when you got the ball, then some clock had to tick off. But it was interesting to me that the Nets had shaken hands and had and like given off. up at that point. Like I'm thinking, and it would have at that point. The scenario is if Brooke misses the first, you know, and misses the second, you're still not really able to get off a full court three. If he makes the like, there really was no scenario at that point. No, because if he if he was to miss the because their Bucks won by they were up by two at that point. Yeah. If he was to miss the first, then he missed the second on purpose because again you you can do nothing if you make the first and you try to make the second. I mean, right. regardless, the right. game was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so. game was over at that point. But still, it for a game that like felt close, like you could see the Nets had accepted uh, that it was over Defeat. at that point. Yes. Yeah, and you know. There was a lot of criticism of Coach Bud throughout this series. Oh, yeah. Do those go away, or is it like the next game they lose, all the haters are back out? Coach Bud, we have to win an NBA championship. I still think he's coaching for his job at this point. I think he continued. I mean, this is— So you think beating the Nets, eliminating the Nets, and I know you mentioned the injuries, has not secured his role with this team? No, I I don't— the goal isn't to just beat the Nets. We've been to the Eastern Conference Finals before. I don't this and then what makes it worse is you can't get to the NBA Finals and win the NBA Finals in a time where you now have the most talented team in the playoffs right now. When you look at this, the Suns have Devin Booker, they have Chris Paul, they have DeAndre Ayton. That's a very good three. The uh I don't the Hawks have Trey Young and some good players around him. Ben Simmons doesn't always show up. The Bucks have a better trio than that. And then I did I go through all this? Yeah. And then you have you uh, the and, 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 no the Clippers. And Kawhi Leonard has a torn ACL that they're not telling us about. Is that what you think he has? That's what the report was. I saw that he had a torn ACL. He ain't coming back from that. Like he's not. So you right now, there is no excuse why the most talented team that has been I mean, Drew's new, but this team has kind of been together not the whole team, but some of your core players, even what four of them have been together a little bit. But Giannis and Chris, the most two important guys, have been together with their coach. The Suns are a uh the Suns are a very fascinating team they, to watch, I, right? They are and scary. There's yeah, and when the Buck I, the best game I saw in this regular season in the NBA was that Bucks uh Suns game in Milwaukee. And the Suns won it on a, on a kind of garbage call in overtime. But what a competitive game that was and what a series that would be. But to me, I don't think you can just you know make it about the coach when the team loses. So, like, is it, should Steve Nash be fired now? This is Steve Nash's first year right? with this team. This is Bud's fourth or fifth. First Four, year with this team. Before, fourth season on as a Bucks head coach. As okay, a, a, so, establishing, so you, you've called the bubble an AAU tournament that yeah. should be discounted. So and both throw the te- that out. Both the teams are out. That okay, one so throw that. that year out. So throw that year out then for Coach Bud, all right? Yeah, you can throw it out. Okay. So then what are you mad at what Coach Bud's done in any So when they lost to Toronto, you're going to tell me, if you look back now, you're going to tell me the Bucks should have won that series? The Bucks were up. One day up two games to zero, and they lost four straight games. Right. Yes, he he failed to make. You know, he's he didn't make adjustments in that. But series. you could say that. But the Raptors had the better roster. I truly believe. If you look back now, the Bucks were starting Nikola Mirotic. The only big man that played any minutes off the bench was Ersan Ilyasova. You know, the Raptors had, you know, had a a squad. Right. Yeah, you had Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet Norman Powell. Who, but they know, had one. We know how had, good he is now. You look at at Siakam, Gasol, you know, 
Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that was a squad. That was a good team. I wouldn't say right? that was a squad because that team doesn't. That, Compared it, a, to the Bucks? A, a healthy Golden State War. Compared to a healthy Bucks team that year, yeah, it was, it was you good. actually look at the roster. You, you were up two zero. Right, you won your home games, but and then you lost four straight. You you lost. You shouldn't one, have lost, you lost four one straight home game. You lost one home game, but you lost four straight. You shouldn't have lost four straight. That, then that's like and saying so, the Nets shouldn't have lost four out of five, which they did. No, well, I mean the Nets had injuries. So, yeah. but my whole thing is that no, I mean, but I think is probably coaching for his job. We All should. Right, we should. You know, we should no, you know, know that Eric Name. He joins us from the Athletic next. Eric Name, who you talk here talking to Giannis. Eric Name and Giannis should be uh, like they should do one of those like stage shows where they just like go on the road and like we get to watch uh, Giannis and Eric Name hang out. We'll talk to Eric Name uh, from the Athletic. Uh, get the latest. He is just landing from Brooklyn right now, so we will uh, get a fresh take from Eric Name as we continue. It's Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. The only thing. Sunday Karma with Craig Carmenson on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Continuing on a happy Sunday morning after a 115-111 Bucks victory. Bucks go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Jason Wilde normally in this spot. He'll instead be at 1130 as we are joined by Eric Name from The Athletic. Now, Eric, this season... You've been zooming. You've been all this, but you you actually got to go to this one. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a nice little change of pace. Uh, this whole series, I've been able to travel, uh, which has been a very welcome change. So, what I mean, what was it like for you? And what 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 was uh, what was a game seven? Because we always hear Wildy saying in this slot that he roots for the story. You know, he's all about just like you know being a journalist. You know, you being in that building, Game 7, the relationships you have with the players, but, I mean, you're a fan of this team, even though it's your job. Like, what what was it like? How tense was it? What was it like being there for Game 7? I mean, there's just kind of nothing that compares. And I, I was honestly just talking to our good friend Pratik about it. Um, and... I wanted to, like, I wanted to tell someone, you know, that's the craziest game I've covered since. And then I thought about the since, and I was like, oh, it was since game five (laughs) in Brooklyn. Because we're just looking at a couple of insane playoff games in the exact same series, which means we're looking at one of the more ridiculous playoff series, you know, I've ever been a part of. Like, obviously, I was lucky enough to cover the the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years back. And, you know, you have that huge run by Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors to go on and win that game, game six, and and close out the series. And that was pretty crazy. And yet, you look at game five and you look at game seven and you just have two all-timers. Like, just to to be in that arena as Kevin Durant is is quite literally unguardable, right? Like, 
there there's a, a possession in the fourth quarter where he gets denied. The the Bucks have switched successfully on a bunch of different things. Kevin Durant shot a wrong foot runner from thirty three feet, and it hit back rim. Oh, and you assume it, it, it's going in too, right? Like it, they have the worst possessions, and they throw something up with a, a second and a half. And if it's Durant, you assume it's going in. It, you assume it's going in. Harden hit a bank three at the end of the shot clock. Like it was, it, it wasn't necessarily pretty, but. I mean, the results that you have, you just have this crazy back-and-forth game. So, you know, to be in the arena, that is that is why everyone wanted fans back in the stands, right? Like, that's why everyone wants oh, to be there. And I was at Game 5, and I know everyone always says this about the opposing team's fans, but there and I I grew up in New Jersey where the Nets were from, but there was nothing more annoying than the Game 5 Brooklyn Nets fans who were, like, ready to give up on their team. Then they had all their, like, <laughs> muscles after the game because they had pulled out that game. I mean, oh, what, what a frustrating building that is to watch a game as an opposing uh, fan. But um, so many things to unpack from this game. Let's actually kind of go chronologically. I actually thought one of the biggest shots of this game was at like 34-25. Pat Connaughton hits a three after going 0 for 5, you know, in game six, shooting an air ball early in game seven. He hits that three down nine for whatever reason. That was one of the tense moments of the game where I was like, God, the Bucks can't find any offense. What, what do you think about that and, and what Pat gave them uh, in that game? It was funny. Honestly, you know, I had I looked at my Twitter like feed during that time, and I saw a bunch of people saying danger zone here for the Bucks, right? Like you can't lose grasp of this game. Like you can't let the Nets get too big of a lead. And I just thought it was a massive three. And honestly, I think you can say the same for all three that Pat hit. Um, he hit that one in the second quarter. He hit another one in the second quarter. Uh, both shots. Just keep the Bucks in the area, right? They, they, they're yeah, I felt like PJ. Yeah, I felt like PJs were always when they were up and were like kind of like a chance <laughs> to like break it open. But Pats were all like right. when they were down and like and it was scary. And no, I, and I mean it was especially with Pat is a bit of a streak shooter. Um, so obviously you're going to see some high highs as you did, and you're going to see some low lows as you did with the air balls. But, like, he stepped into those confidently. I thought both threes in the second quarter were huge. And then that one at the, thir- at the end of the third quarter, like, if you're talking about plays that, you know, really helped show the Nets that the Bucks are in this thing, and they're going to be in this thing. I thought that three pad hit at the end of the third quarter was just massive. Like that—that that was a shot that I think gave him a three-point lead, and then eventually uh, Durant got a bucket late to cut it down to one. But all three of those threes that he hit were huge. I thought. No, yeah. So that's huge. no. Well, that's that run. They go from down five. So Durant had, had just hit a free throw. So it was seventy-nine, seventy-four. Pat hits the three to cut it to two. Chris gets a, a layup after a Drew had missed the shot, you know, to tie it. And then Giannis gets the N1 dunk, yep. um, and they go up up three. So that was a, a massive swing. Durant ends up hitting a shot like he always does, right, to end the quarter. So it ends up being a one-point game. But, yeah, I mean, the way they finished those quarters, that the, the next thing was the end of the first half. Because the end of the first half, it was like, getting to be double digits and scary again. And I was saying, God, if they could get this to four, and they ended up getting it to six and almost got it to four, you know, with the uh, with the shot after the buzzer by Giannis. But going into the half, seeing Chris and Drew struggle the way they had, were you thinking, 
they're still in this game because they're they're still so close with those guys struggling? Or are you thinking they're not going to win? They're on the road, and you know, and Giannis is shaky on the line, and these and the other two stars aren't even showing up. To me, it was massive that they were able to put it where they were at that time. Um, Just to have Chris and Drew both shooting 2 of 11 for a combined 4 of 22, and to be within 6, we've seen those guys start off a game slow before, right? Like, we've seen, um, you know, for as, as little credit as Chris Middleton gets for being good at basketball, uh the thing that everyone brings up is the night that he's cold. So you always hear about those, but you don't hear about like the night that he bounces back, right? Like the next night he goes 10 of 13 and nobody talks about that night because for some reason it doesn't matter. And, and I just always think with those two, they're such pros and they've been at it for so long and they're so confident in themselves that they're not really worried if they start off a game cold that, that it's going to go for the whole game. And honestly, I mean, Drew almost made it look like he was going to, but uh, both those guys have supreme confidence. So in my head, to have it at six at the half and those two, a combined four of 22, it was a huge win. It wasn't a spot where, uh, you know what, they're not going to show up in the second half. This thing's over. To me, it was they're in this despite those guys being so cold. And having been at game five, I kept thinking – the Bucks, if they don't settle, if they run their offense, they win this series. I kept feeling that way, but obviously this ended up being a, an absolute coin toss. But okay, I need a little more on Drew Holiday because you know I think the thought was that this team was built differently because of Drew Holiday this year. Um, you know, so he goes two of seventeen, and then he hits the back-to-back shots, which that three. I mean, I know every shot is the biggest shot in Bucks history right at this point, but that three, that step-back three that gives them the three-point lead, I mean, at that moment, I mean, that's got to be one of the biggest shots in, you know, in the last, you know, 10, 20 years of Bucks history. And, and if you really think about that sequence, he had the assist before yes. that three as well. So, so he goes pick and roll with Giannis and finds Giannis on the roll. Giannis makes it. Uh, to tie it at 101, and then misses the free throw, comes out to Drew. Drew isolates, gets a step back three, 104, 101, and it, it was just a, it was just a, a couple of minutes where it was like, oh, Drew, Drew is kind of built for this, right? Like Drew can handle not being good, playing below his level, um, you know, focusing on his defense to make sure that he gets the job done on that end. And still be okay with with whatever he's doing on the other end. And I just thought it was, I mean, resilience is the word I kept coming up with, right? Like, I just thought it was a resilient victory from the Bucks last night. And it doesn't matter which of the seven guys, I guess maybe not Bryn Forbes, but which of the six guys you pick, all of them had moments where they they were at their absolute lowest. They, they stunk. They made a big mistake. And then they have that other answer somewhere in the game. And I just thought it was so impressive for Drew Holiday to, to handle the moment, to handle kind of his struggles, and then come up with a massive – I mean, that's four possessions in a row, I, I believe it was, where he assists, 
he hits a step back three, he hits a step back jumper, and then on the next possession, he also gets fouled and he goes to the free throw line. Like, that was all Drew Holiday. That's all self-created things. Those are all things that he did himself. Like, there was, there was nothing where it was like, ah, well, you know, actually Giannis got him a wide-open look or whatever it may be. No, that was Drew Holiday in the biggest moment despite struggling all this time coming up big. Wow. Uh, now, uh, okay, we got to have another segment. I know, so Eric's supposed to now, he needs to eat, he needs to sleep, he just flew <laughs> back. But, you know, you mentioned defense. We got to talk about how they defended Kevin Durant, you know, through, through this series and if you agreed with it and uh, and where uh, the fan base and where you sit with Coach Bud after this victory. So uh, can, can we have you for one more segment, Eric? I, I ask you that on the air knowing that you'd, of course, always say yes. So Yeah, I mean, I, I assumed this was a half-hour venture. Oh, okay, good, good, good. We will have more with Eric Name, including if he thinks Giannis should have covered Kevin Durant a little bit more in uh, Game 5 and Game 7. As we continue with Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. It's Sunday Karma with Craig Carmenson on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Continuing with Eric Name after the Bucks advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. Eric, I know you're active on social media, so you hear every single thing that everyone says. So what was your answer all series long? And what's your answer now to why are the Bucks playing six foot four guys on Kevin Durant when he can just shoot over them the whole time? Yeah, I mean, honest so it's for me personally, it was kind of an interesting trajectory, right? Like before the series, I asked Giannis about his ability to get over screen, right? And that's what you have to do against Durant. Like you can't go underneath a pick and roll against him because he's just going to shoot a three. And I asked Giannis about it, and I I told him like to his face, I was like, I think this is like a weakness for you defensively. Like I don't think you're that good at it. And you know, we had what I thought was like a really open and fun and interesting like kind of conversation where Giannis for three minutes, like explains to me, yeah, I'm not that good at it, but also I'm seven feet tall and seven footers aren't supposed to do this. So like I'm the best seven footer in the world at doing it, but also like I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing that. And I think what you saw was that the bucks believed that, right? Like you don't expect Giannis to do that. You want to use him in the ways that he can be most effective. Which is basically helping, right? You know, because he's so right. long and he's so athletic. So him being able to help versus him having to guard a perimeter player is is putting him in a better position to succeed. Right. You you don't necessarily want him on ball at all times. And it's 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 really funny because like basketball discourse has kind of gotten to this point where, you know, there's like the people that are seen as like the nerds and like analytics. And then there's like the people that are like the real hoopers, right? Like everyone like that just like knows basketball. Like that's, that's what they know. They don't care about the analytics or whatever. And it gets to this spot where like the analytics folks are like, Hey, it's probably not a good idea to make this guy do something that he's not good at. 
why don't you use him in the ways that he's good? And then the other people are like, this man won defensive player of the year. He should be on the but, best player. But didn't period. even the analytics people, because I saw people throwing around some infographs showing that when Giannis was the closest defender to Durant, that you know Durant had his lowest shooting percentage, like that kind of stuff. So I thought even the analytics people were on that train. But to me... And this is, you know, this is something I don't think people are going to talk about because, you know, the way people don't want to defend Chris Middleton when he doesn't have a good game. When Coach Bud wins, it's never his doing. It's only when they lose, right? So the Utah Jazz are home right now because their coach, you know, who's a great coach in Quinn Snyder, was committed to having the defensive player of the year on the court doing what, you know, he does. And I thought what Coach Bud did was exactly the opposite. It was having a defensive player of the year, and instead of you know saying you know forcing him to do what everyone else would think he should do, he left him in the right spot. And, and I think that was a big difference. And I think if Giannis was covering Kevin Durant, I think the Nets are still playing right now. Yeah, and I think I think what's interesting too is that. Um, and and I asked a bunch of players about this last night. So the biggest adjustment made in Game 7, um, throughout the series, the Nets did things out of halftime that really messed with the Bucks. Um, you know, you can think back to some of the different games that they played. Like Game 5, one thing that they did was instead of having Durant on the ball, they had Harden on the ball at point guard and then ran Durant off some other screens, and that led to a bunch of backdoor cuts. That led to a bunch of easy looks for Durant. So that was like a really nice halftime adjustment. And they had done a number of those things throughout the series. So in the first six games, I would say the halftime adjustment goes to Steve Nash. Game seven, to me, it was super interesting. Bud decided instead of having Giannis hang out over on Blake Griffin, he was instead going to cover Bruce Brown. And why that was important is Bruce Brown is the guy that the Nets used in all of their pick-and-roll action. So whether it was a pick-and-roll with Harden, a pick-and-roll with Durant, Bruce Brown was the guy. And why Bruce Brown was the guy was because it put Brooke Lopez into the action. Out of halftime, the Bucks make that switch, and immediately you can tell the Nets are flustered by it. They, they, don't, they don't really know what they're supposed to do. And the Bucks rattle off a quick 7-0 run. Uh, Steve Nash calls a timeout, and then out of the timeout, they they decide that, okay, well, we're going to put Blake Griffin into the action uh, so we get Brooke Lopez to to cover those pick-and-rolls again. And that's that's an assignment Brooke Lopez can handle, right? Like, obviously, Blake Griffin got a couple threes, and and that's always going to be the the trade-off, right? Instead of pick-and-rolling with Bruce Brown, it's pick-and-pop. But that was a huge adjustment from Bud, and it didn't matter who I asked. Like, P.J. Tucker, like, as I was asking the question, just started nodding. Just like, yep, 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 you're right, you're right. It was a huge adjustment. And when I asked Giannis, he was like, hey, you know, when we were in red, which is their switch, he was like, I was just sitting on the backside. I wasn't a part of the action. And when we put me on Bruce Brown, all of a sudden I was back in the action. And it was a great adjustment by Coach Bud. So, you know, I, I thought throughout this series, there was a bunch of things that people said Bud would not do. And Bud did them. The starters played a bunch of minutes. The, the, that is not something that Bud has wanted to do. Uh, the starters played a bunch of minutes. He moved to a seven-man rotation. Uh, you know, throughout the postseason, he staggered his stars so that two of Drew, Chris, and Giannis are on the floor at all times. Like, I think there's been a bunch of things that people didn't think Bud could do 
that he did in that series, and it was a big part of, of why the Bucks ended up winning. Now, you know Giannis better than anyone. Were you surprised seeing him winded in a few of the moments he was? And was there anything else going on there? I know like he's playing at a high, crazy level for 50-plus minutes, but it just seemed a little different uh, for Giannis. Uh, any, anything on that? Well, I think the Bucks have there's a, so there's a reason why Bud has always managed his limits or manages his minutes in the way that he does, right? Like he put those limits on Giannis so that Giannis could go as hard as he possibly could for you know most stars will go like a nine to ten minute stretch. Giannis was always in like six and a half minute stretches. That's always been kind of the way that Bud does it. Like six and a half little break, six and a half little break, six and a half like that's always going to be kind of what you do. Maybe you end the game with like a seven and a half, eight minute stretch with Giannis. So that was like a big change that he was going to be on the floor all the time. And I don't know that Giannis did a great job adjusting to that because as we know, he just plays really hard. Like he, he doesn't have a, like, like a guy like Kawhi Leonard, he can shift down a few gears and he can understand when to push and when to not. Giannis doesn't play like that. Giannis just plays hard all the time. And and to me, that was kind of like if we're talking about like why does Kevin Durant look like he could play five more minutes after playing 53 and Giannis looks dead in the third quarter, I think that's a big part of it. Like Giannis just hasn't, one, been asked to do that, and then two, because he hasn't been asked to do that, he doesn't quite know how to manage his workload in that way. He just plays really hard all the time. Yeah, do you think being part of that game seven and then hitting that shot over Durant to tie the game, do you think that there's any kind of uh, boost that that gives Giannis going forward, you know, and, and kind of that in in that moment he was able to slow down, not take the fall away, not do all that, you know, and and hit that big shot over Kevin Durant, who is a legitimately good defender, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and tie that game up in overtime? Yeah, I mean, I put it in my story at The Athletic this morning, but, like, that was the exact same situation with James Harden in Game 5, right? Like, he he got yep. the ball in the exact same spot, roughly the same amount of time in the game. I, I think the Bucks were tied. Yeah, at, it was 104-104 in Game 5, yeah. Right, so it's tied in Game four or game 5, and in this game they're down 2. But that's a situation where he, he'd already taken a fadeaway baseline jumper in that spot, against a, a smaller de- defender in James, Har- James Harden. And to me, that – I'm not going to say one play is growth, right? Like, I think we always try to, like, put too much on singular moments, that this means he's learned everything or this defines his legacy. Like, that's typically not how the game of basketball works. But to me, it did show a level of growth that, you know, he could process, hey, I'm going to have to – go through this wall. I'm going to have to find a way through it. I know I'm going to get fouled. And honestly, there's probably a foul they could have called beforehand where Durant was hand-checking him. And Giannis just like kind of like slapped away his arm so he could keep his, his move going and his dribble alive. And I, I just thought it was, it was so patient. And all year long, I, I think we've seen Giannis look for counter moves or look for what he does in the post or, or how he's going to score in those moments. And I think we've seen him struggle with it. And and to me, after the game, I asked him about it. He's like, you know, I love that hook. Like, And I, I don't know if he could see me on the Zoom, but I think my eyes got pretty big because I was like, you do? 
Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, you haven't watched him play that much, and you don't you don't follow Giannis that closely. So, <laughs> so. I, I, I was like, you, you you love that shot? Okay, that's cool. Um, but it like if that is something he feels, and if that is something that he feels confident in going forward, like that's huge. Like that's what's that's what you've been looking for this whole time when you get the switches with Giannis and Drew or Giannis and Chris, and you get a smaller guy on him. He needs to find that move in the post that is going to work for him. And if it is that little hook into the middle, that's a huge shot for him. That that is a big. You can't touch it. Like Kevin Durant has th- this massive wingspan. And he couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't even come close to it. And, and if Giannis feels comfort, comfortable in that shot and confident in that shot, that, that's a big step forward. So I'm not going to say it means anything and we're going to start seeing him shoot 20 hooks a game or anything like that. But for him, that was a big moment. He hasn't had moments like that where it wasn't a dunk. It wasn't a layup. It was a real move, well defended, and he finished. That's a moment for him, and that's kind of what you need to, to continue to grow and develop as a superstar. Eric, last quickie, who do you think and who do you want uh, for uh, Eastern Conference Finals? It feels like this postseason is about exercising demons. So I feel like it's got to be the Sixers, right? Like, you, you exercise the demons of the Heat in the first round. You go up against what everyone thinks is the best team in the Nets in the second round. And then the Sixers have always been the team that people have drawn comparisons about the Bucks against. And and they haven't played each other in the postseason or anything like uh, that. I didn't know if you were going to Demons back to Scott Williams being suspended for Game 7 and uh, you are going I mean, back you, to those Demons. You can demons. go there. You can go there. There's plenty in that well of Sixers-Demons to, to expel. So um, I feel like it, let, let's do the Sixers. Let's have a good time, right? Like this, They've had two epic series thus far. Why not make it one more uh, with the with the Philadelphia 76 And I'll take Giannis in the free throw shooting contest over Ben Simmons any day. So I think that'll be uh, the matchup that we'll have uh, going in for the Eastern Conference Finals. Eric, appreciate it. Go get your brunch. Go get some rest. And everybody, subscribe to The Athletic, and you can uh, get more of Eric name, which I'm sure you still want after uh, just a little taste that we got this morning. Eric, thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, there is Eric Name from The Athletic. We have our 7 at 11 coming up, and we have Jason Wildey coming up at 1130. Big hour. And, Kyle, you haven't found out what your birthday present is from me yet. Oh, my gosh. I forgot all about that. I thought my birthday was over. Yeah. yeah Can't you, wait. We haven't been here together, so you'll find out. I'll give you a multiple choice, and, and, and you'll get to guess. We, that, that'll be coming up. Your Palermo's pick of what Kyle's birthday present is going to be. We will find that out as we continue. It is Sunday Karma, 7-11 next, ESPN Wisconsin.